Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hello, this is Carrie Lucas, the president of the Independent Women's Forum, and welcome to our Working for Women podcast. I'm excited today to be here with Julie Gumlock, who just had a great piece in the Wall Street Journal. Julie, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, and uh, Julie, you bring up in the, the Wall Street Journal a warning that's coming out of the Center for Disease Control. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Yeah, so the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, is very worried that this country is about to endure um, an outbreak of measles. Um, and they're warning people that they really need to be better about vaccinating their kids. Um, this warning is partly based on a study that came out um, in, a, in a medical journal that shows herd immunity, and I'm happy, I know I'm getting into a little bit of medical jargon here, so I'm happy to, to explain what herd immunity is. Um, but this, this medical journal said, look, we are really in danger of breaking, what's called breaking herd immunity, and that means that when a large swath of the population is immunized, is, it receives a vaccine, it protects those who cannot be immunized. For instance, people who might have certain cancers. So people who are immunosuppressed, um, again, because of cancers or HIV, um, they might need uh, to skip vaccinations. Another group of people who can't get vaccinations are newborns. Um, I think most moms know that, that when you first have your child, um, you have to go a couple weeks before they get, or in some cases, I mean, there's a whole schedule, but um, it, you know, it goes over the first year that you get your first shots. And so that's another group of people who are, are, um, are vulnerable uh, to those who are not vaccinated, for, to those who might get these diseases. Well, can you back up a minute? Because I think that like there was like 15 years ago, I feel like I would have never heard about um, the problems of, yeah, of measles. Yeah. Um, like because of it, because, you know, it was one of those just the, the list of, of the vaccines that you know, you and I got as kids. And then, um, and then, you know, I remember when my first was born um, tw almost 12 years ago, you know, it was one of the ones that I think she got it around a, a year and it was just, you know, I did, didn't even think about it. Um, you know, what, and I, I was never warned about the potential, but it wasn't something I worried about um, in the year before Molly was old enough to have her, her vaccine. Um, so what's, what's going on? Why has there been this increase in people not, pay, uh, not accepting the, the vaccine? Yeah, I'm glad you backed me up because it really is important to sort of frame this the, the correctly. Um, it, in 2000, the public health community was sort of celebrating the fact that measles, um, a, a very infectious disease, measles had been eradicated in the United States. And I think it's important to explain why they use the word eradication. That doesn't mean it vanished. That, doesn't, that didn't mean that it was gone off the face of the earth like some other diseases that we've seen. Um, but it, it, what that means is that in the United States, it was sort of gone. And the only way in which it was appearing is if travelers, tourists, people visiting this country, and frankly, um, some illegal aliens um, were bringing it into the country because they were not vaccinated. And so they would then, you know, go to, for instance, we saw a huge outbreak at Disney World, and this was traced back to people who had come into the country. So in 2000, um, that's the kind of thing we were saying, just occasionally there'd be an outbreak, they'd quickly um, take care of it, but it wasn't something that was cropping up in, from, uh, from the U.S. population. Um, so they were celebrating that, and that really was great because it's very easy to control those kinds of outbreaks. Fast forward 17 years, and we are seeing these outbreaks, homegrown outbreaks, and the reason for that is 
around in the late 1990s, there was a, a, a doctor, and Carrie, interrupt me if I'm going a little too far into this or if you have a question, but no, that's okay. in, in the late 90s, a British doctor named Andrew Wakefield, he began to publicize and he, he released a study. And the study was, was, um, was published in a reputable journal, which later retracted it, which is, that's a big deal. When a reputable scientific journal retracts a study, that's a very big deal. It's rarely done. And they actually retracted it. Uh, because this doctor used fraudulent me- uh, uh, methodology to get his results. Okay. He was later, his medical, it was so bad, this study was so bad that his medical license was later taken away. So he can't practice medicine anymore. Yet this study, okay. and what this study said was there was a connection between the measles vaccine and autism. Well, naturally, Everybody flipped out, right? Because can you imagine you're a young mom, the doctor saying you need to get this measles vaccine, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, could this cause autism? Now, at the same time, we started to see a rise in the autism rates. That rise is because the definition of autism began to explain, or I'm sorry, expand. So you had more people fitting into this bucket. But this was, a, this was sort of very bad timing because at the same time you had this um, expansion of, or the numbers increasing of autism. You had this study, this fraudulent study that came out that said, hey, it's because of the measles vaccine. So that started, yeah. that was sort of the start of the anti-vax vax movement. Now, of course, the anti-vax movement had, has been around since, since vaccines came about. There's always going to be conspiracy theories out there. But this really fed it. And then you had, so what, what the difference was is it wasn't just conspiracists that suddenly were anti-vax. It was very reasonable parents. I will admit publicly, I actually delayed my first son's vaccines because I was afraid of this. He was born in 2007. It was sort of the height of the anti-vax movement. And I, too, was nervous about this until I actually read and realized that this was all based on a bad study. So what has happened? So in 2000, you had had this great, the eradication of the disease. Fast forward 17 years, you've gone through all this anti-vax hysteria. You've gone through this fraudulent study that the media really, really fed. The media had a lot of headlines on this at first it was thought as thought of as legit so there were a lot of really scary headlines the sort of corrective uh press reports you know the we know how this works the scary headline gets a lot more uh press than the sort of reassuring you know oh sorry we were wrong that gets far less media attention so again fast forward 17 years measles is now spiking it is now back it's no longer eradicated and what has happened is you have such a break in herd immunity in in other words it, the CDC says that around if there's a 5% reduction in the number of people who vaccinate their children, it will triple the number of, of infections among 2 to 11-year-olds. So what we're seeing, for instance, in certain, in certain areas, in certain um, areas, for instance, in Wisconsin, um, you know, it, 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 well, let's say Oregon, okay, 6.4% of non-vaccinated children, Vermont 5.7%, Wisconsin 5.4%. Now, those are, those are the higher states. Um, but we're seeing an increase in each state. And the CDC is here saying, you know, you got a 5% uh, non-vaccination rate. That is going to cause a massive outbreak. And that's why everyone should be nervous. Okay. That's it. And that, it, it's interesting. You know, I know that, of course, uh, you know, I, obviously, when you, whenever you get a vac- vaccination, um, you have to you know, kind of sign, sign a waiver and they tell you um, all of the horrible things that, that might go wrong. Um, uh, but what are, I mean, I, I'm sure that there are some, like, oftentimes yeah. kids, babies get sick after, um, yeah. after a vaccination or have like um, a little bit of a like symptoms. 
Um, yeah. You know, how how worried should parents be? You know, is this just a well, look, the, um, the, the, the yeah the rates of the rates of accidents or um, uh, uh, bad reactions for vaccine is extremely low. It's extre- you are much more likely to get measles. You are much more likely yeah. to get an infectious disease than have a bad reaction from a vaccine. It is extremely rare, extremely rare. It's, it's hard to measure, but, yeah. it, but it does happen. And there actually is a fund, a taxpayer, a federal taxpayer-funded fund uh, to help people who are injured uh, from a vaccine. So I'm not, I don't want to suggest this doesn't happen, but this is so, it's so dangerous when you go down this path because, you know, yeah. you say, you know, it's like that line in Dumb and Dumber, where um, she says something like, there's no chance, it, it, she gives him a percentage. She's like, there's, you know, a thousand percent chance we're not going to get together. And he says, so you're saying there's a chance. Like, you know, or she says, you know, a 99.9% chance we're not going to get, and he says, so you're saying there's a chance, right? I mean, it's, that, it's, that kind of, it's that kind of argument where we can, we can talk about all the rare cases. Um, and and I, I don't want to say that there aren't vaccine injured people out there. There are, but it is yeah. You always, you always have to do a cost risk analysis, and that is: Are you going to um, you, look? We live in we we live in a world where infectious diseases exist, and you have to make that calculation. Um, the you know point whatever zero percent chance that your child is going to have a vaccine injury. Or um, now, I think it's also important to to, to understand among the injuries from vaccines, autism is not one of them. It has been proven that there is zero connection between autism and vaccines. And so that is the one that really scares people the most. And that is the one that is pushed by people like Jenny McCarthy and many of these movie stars who don't know anything about the issue and have, you know, either been sort of fooled by Andrew Wakefield, this British doctor, or, um, or you know, have sort of are just, or have some experience with an autistic child. The sad, the sad thing is, is these anti-vax uh, pushers often use parents of autistic children. Autism is a very, you know, kids on the spectrum. It's a tough issue, and 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 kids that that are severely affected by autism have have very severe cases of autism. Um, you know, some some are nonverbal, some are for are actually disabled um, in terms of you know not being able to sort of have a normal life. Um, and and parents of those children search and search and search for the reasons because. If you have any experience with autism, you know, there's, they really don't know the causes yet. There's a great deal of research going yeah. on, and frankly, a lot of people think it's genetic. Um, but, but they don't know the conclusive reason, and that is why these are vulnerable parents. They are able to, you're able to really capture them and say, hey, it's be-, and, and what's so horrible about it is it, it shifts the blame. These parents take on the blame. They say, oh, see, I gave them a vaccine. I decided as a parent. And so it's a very, it's a very useful tool for the anti-vax um, community. They're really able to utilize this group of parents, but it simply isn't true. And that's, that's really, I think, um, the fear that needs to be debunked the most. You know, I think it's important, you know, I, I think that we can, um, you know, we can very much respect the concept of, of parental choice. And, um, you know, and I would never call for, you know, I don't think the government should be, um, you know, dragging parents um, and forcing them to, um, to vaccinate their kids. I do think that it makes sense to restrict access to, yeah. um, to public services, like, like yeah. um, public schools, make it a, make it a, a requirement, but we don't have to, you know, you don't have to go down the road of, of the, of the, 
of it being, um, you know, a government. And the good, the good news is that, you know, I think we need to be, also keep it in, in, the, in context is that most parents are doing this. And that's why if you have a misinformed friend, you know, you don't have to um, condemn them or um, they're not stupid. It's just that they've, um, you know, I think that we can kind of, um, you know, try to spread the good news that this isn't something you have to worry about. And that's why you, know, right. you should um, get, get, get your va- vaccine. It doesn't, you know, I don't think you have to be on the side of, of government force um, to, um, you know. No, but, but there is, <laughs> to, there, there is, to, yeah, there, there is certainly, there is certainly a, an argument for government persuasion. And that is children should not be going to public schools if they are not vaccinated. Um, there are certain sure. public services that you should not be able to access if your child is not vaccinated. And I, again, Unless I they feel have a like, medical reason. Unless, of course, now look, there are medical reasons. What we're seeing in public schools now is schools are allowing for non-medical exemptions. And you can just, your child can be perfectly healthy, but you have sort of a philosophical or uh, religious objection um, to vaccinations. Now, I don't agree with that. I think that um, for non-medical, unless it's a medical cause, I think that then you should not send your child to a public school. I know this rattles some people, and I know this kind of gets people angry, but, um, but, this, but this is, again, this goes back to the common good um, and the sort of social contract that we have with each other, that we are going to protect ourselves so that we don't innocently affect, uh, infect um, other people. Um, so one yeah. thing that you can do, I think, is, again, besides being sort of, uh, sort of a, a good – um, and, and a happy warrior on this issue. Again, like I think it's important when you talk to someone on Facebook, not criticize them, call them stupid. I mean, I will tell you, it is like, it's pretty frustrating, okay, to argue this issue. But it is important to at least give people better information, better sources of information. There's a lot of conspiracy sites out there. There's a lot of sort of junk science sites. So I think it's really important to give people better sources, and IWF has a lot of good sources on this. Um, and I, and I, I think the other thing that is important is more and more states now are are getting rid of non-medical exemptions. Um, Part of the reason that the anti-vaccination movement has thrived and that we're seeing this break in herd immunity is because people are increasingly, it is up 19%. Non-medical exemption, requests for non-medical exemptions are up 19%. And so anybody, anybody can ask for an exemption now and still go to public schools where all children gather, all people gather. And so I think that is, um, so I think supporting um, that, those kinds of things are are important. And, and, um, And again, being a good advocate for vaccinations is the most important thing, yourself and, and on social media sites. Great. Well, Julie, this is a conversation I think we could go on for a long time on, but I wanted to um, to encourage everybody to come and get more information at IWF.org. Thanks for, for taking your time to listen to this uh, edition. And please come visit us again at IWF.org, where all issues are women's issues. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by IWF.org for similar content.